You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Carolyn Santo. So Carolyn, you have, I don't even want to describe what you do because I think you've had nine lives like a cat. You just transitioned to so many different things in your career. So I just want you to tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what brought you to, to direct response. Well, it started many, many, many years ago. When I got out of college, I was less than 21 years old and didn't know what to do. So I got a securities license and got into the financial services industry and spent decades there, training people, helping people make decisions. And it got to a point where it was really heavy because people would literally say, here's my life. Here's my family. These are the dysfunctional people. Help me make decisions. And after doing that for decades, plus trying to help my husband with his business and run my own business. I got tired of that and said, I'm done being responsible for everyone in the world and magically got drawn into marketing and copywriting. And the best part was I found out I'd already been doing a lot of marketing and copywriting. I just didn't know it at the time. It was like somebody said, oh, how do we promote this new thing? And I'd give them the idea and then they'd say, oh, great, let's do a seminar. Can you write it? And since I was the only writer in our group, I ended up writing and then they'd say, oh, by the way, can you present it? So I got a marketing and direct response and copywriting training in the financial services industry, which, as it turns out, was the best thing. Because if you can talk to somebody about an investment, they can't see it, they can't touch it, they can't smell it. They can't test drive it, but if you can talk to them and convince them to do something intangible, selling or promoting or helping somebody promote something that is tangible or gives you results in less than like five years is really easy. Yeah. So transitioning over was fun. Well, I mean, you know, kind of touching on that, I always say there's there's certain life skills that you get, regardless of what industry, what job you're in, uh, that just help transition you in any type of career. And for me, that is sales. Like if you can sell, it doesn't matter what you're selling, right? You're selling, you're good at talking to people, you're good at convincing people certain things. And sometimes, like I always say, I'm not a salesperson because I never try to convince people. I just provide evidence and hopefully you see it that way and then we move on. But sales or, or, you know, just even if somebody has some objections and you countering the objections, it's not that you're hard selling, you're just countering. So, you know, being in the position that you were in, um, you know, in the finance industry, like that's a hard thing. Like you're, you're asking sometimes people for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is not like, you know, a $5 pair of socks or something. So I think right. once you kind of master that, that like everything else is kind of <laughs> a little bit simpler in terms of the, the the process of getting eyes and ears in front of things. Right. Well, especially when it's their own personal money, there are so many emotions tied to your personal network. And a lot of what I did was estate planning for people who had a lot of wealth, but had children who couldn't handle the wealth. So then it's hard where you get into parenting and psychology and 
Um, sometimes the biggest effects of my advice would take place after the client died. Oh. So if you can sell something where they don't see the effects, but their children or their surviving spouse sees it, you can sell anything else. <laughs> Well, that's really interesting. And, and, you know, I, I mean, just building on your experience and going from industry to industry to industry. And to me, uh, you know, we've known each other just online through various groups and so forth. And we've, we've spoken a handful of times, you have so much knowledge and so many things. Um, and you seem to me like a very confident person in, in things that you say, which is, you know, obviously an awesome skill. I'm wondering, you know, balance knowing yourself, like who you are, what you can do, um, and what you're capable of doing versus, you know, for example, you know, for example, let's, I'll ask this question differently. For example, for me, I am a very numbers oriented person, very factual person. Like I'm not a great writer. You know what I mean? So how did you transition to these different fields without feeling like maybe you're not good enough, like you're an imposter, like you're, you're working with people, obviously that, you know, are younger than you that have, you know, a couple of years of experience, but maybe a lot more success. Like, how do you get into the room with these people and how do you feel comfortable kind of interacting? Because although, you know, you have a lot of experience, like in this specific marketing field, I guess, if we were to kind of narrow down, it, it is shorter experience, right? Right. Well, I think I have to go back to my parents and thank them for a good upbringing. When I was small, I was told you can do whatever you want as long as you're willing to put in the time and effort to prepare yourself. And I honestly believe that. Okay. You know, back when I was growing up, being five feet tall and Japanese in a very, very white society, that was maybe a little bit aspirational. But I believed it and I went out and just said, oh, I want to go into this. And I ended up doing it. So then going into the marketing world, it all boils down to people and motivation. I mean, when you look at everything we do, whether it's personal or in business or in our jobs, it's what makes people do the things they do. And I've always said I have pretty good common sense. And thanks to my parents, I have a very strong moral compass when it comes to ethical things, or would I feel good about it? It's a black and white thing. Hmm. But thanks to them, I have the confidence to stick by it. So when I'm asked my opinion, I give it based on experience and what I've observed about people and the psychology. But I feel comfortable saying this is what I would do, or these are my top two suggestions. Um, not everyone's going to agree with me. Not everyone's going to like it. But overall, I found people are very open to getting a different opinion and an opinion based on real life experience as opposed to, you know, this is what people say you should do. So it sounds like if, I, if I'm to kind of summarize that, it sounds like it's confidence. Like you need to even, let's say, for example, for me, I speak with people who are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger than me that are making an insane amount of money. And you're like, whoa, I personally love that. Cause I'm like, that's awesome. Like how, like, I wish I would have been smarter at that age. I wish I would have done this at that age and so forth. But there are a lot of people who can be intimidated, um, you know, or, or maybe try to talk down on people and stuff like that. So the interesting thing is, you know, whatever age you are is being confident 
in, and also being able to take advice from other people, like not being scared, right? Like, right. We both interact with people in direct response, you know, some are in their twenties and they're killing it. They're, 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 you know, let's, I'll, I'll use something that a lot of people, they're crushing it, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, first as a woman, first, you know, like you said, as a minor- minority, um, and then somebody with a lot of life experience, but less experience in this specific industry. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that basically it's, it's your upbringing, it's your confidence. And I think, you know, is there anything specific that you think could help people with, let's say the building up that confidence? I think what you need to do and what intimidates people most is taking the time to stay very quiet and figuring out yourself. Um, A lot of people are so busy being active, they don't really know themselves. So for me, I know what my balance is. I know when to give up if I've put in a good effort and don't get the results I want. I know when to be confident without being like overly cocky and prideful. Um, I am comfortable with myself changing direction where some people they view like, oh, what will other people think if I change direction or if I shut that down or if I do something different? So it's also being brave enough to confront yourself. Like I know there's certain things I should do that I don't. And I have to push myself to get those things done. Hmm. But it's very hard to sit by yourself, set a timer for like 20 minutes and try to be as strict with yourself as you would be with any small child. Once you figure that out, you can manage yourself. You don't need people around you to tell you what is right, what is wrong. You'll know. And then when you know that, it's easy to conduct yourself in a way that you don't have regrets when you go to bed at night. It's like, yeah, I had a really good day. Things may not have turned out the way I wanted to, but I did my best and I'm content with that. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, having, having confidence and and being silent and just being willing, being an eternal student, I guess, is, is, is important for all these things. Um, You know, given that you've gone from different different industries and so forth. And you just seem like a really motivated person to me. And I know that there's people listening here and I'm going to tell you guys, Carolyn just exudes confidence. And if you're, if you're going to watch her on the YouTube channel, like she just had, you have like a calming, confident, um, you know, aura or vibe, I guess. How do you, how do you stay uh, motivated and confident in all the different roles that you've gone through. Cause so just to kind of position this for people listening that don't know you as well, obviously you work on different offers, you work on, um, even within business, you can do copy, you can do strategy, you can do marketing. You, you're just kind of bouncing around. So first the question is how do you, how do you stay confident or in this building in this theme of confidence? Like how do you stay confident in doing all these different things and trying these different things? And secondly, how do you stay motivated and trying all these different things and, and, and maybe having not the results that you're looking for in certain, in certain things? Right. Well, I don't view being confident as my goal. Okay. Actually, I am so busy because I'm a curious person. So when people say, how did you get involved in all these things? I didn't go on a job board necessarily and apply for these things. I found an opportunity and I opened up communication. So for example, 
people that know me know that I've been promoting Vera.social for a long time. We are in beta testing and I keep being told we will be out any day. It's a social media app that started as a dating app. But what we do is we tell people, take these tests, take a personality test, IQ, EQ, which is your emotional quotient, your ethical values, um, your love type. And then what our computers do is they gather all the data and they figure out who might be compatible. When that started, someone had posted something on a job board, one of the founders, and I told him, based on what I see, you're posting for the wrong position. You don't need a CMO because you have all these millions of people that are interested. You need somebody to help you monetize what you've got already. And I got involved as a co-founder. Um, nice. I have another partner where we help people get free Google grants, where for people that don't know, Google gives away $10,000 a month in free ads if you have the right setup, which involves doing a nonprofit organization. Um, what people don't know is you can pair a nonprofit organization with your existing business and do it successfully so you can use Google money to help you advertise. Um, I saw him in a presentation. I started sending him clients, but then when I was reading through his copy and watching his videos, I said, you know what? I can write a better script for you and I can rearrange your sales process to motivate more people to send you leads. So I sort of talked myself into a partnership there. <laughs> um, I have another friend. We were talking about going through an experience that she went through. And she's the poster child for doing everything wrong. So based on my background and my financial and legal knowledge and her experience, we're cooking up an offer that hopefully will be launching probably in about the second quarter of 2023. So again, I was. Can you say, or are you able to tell us? I don't want to say, but I will definitely let you know when we've got everything in place. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like you stay motivated by just constantly changing and that's that's scary though for some people some people don't like the unknown but i guess would you say that you're 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 a type of person that like how do you how do you challenge yourself to keep changing like this like are you a person that loves change or is there some kind of methodology or something that you do to kind of prep yourself to to try something else see i don't view myself as a change person i am curious so i will pursue something that catches my interest okay so one of these things is my biggest goal in life, I guess, would be to be a professional puzzle solver. Okay. If people come to me and say, here's my offer, how do I make it better? I probably have some ideas. It might be, oh, restructure the way you're financing it or restructure the way you're offering it or bundle these things together. Um, my My most fun activity, it's really geeky, is when people say this is the thing. These are the parameters. Working within these parameters, can you help me find a solution? And coming from a background where I help business owners, a lot of it is small business survival skills in terms of taking very little resources and trying to get a big result. Yeah. So one thing I love to do, my favorite, favorite thing is map out what I call world domination plans <laughs> for different people in different places. Awesome. Um, and so, hopefully I'll be doing that professionally soon. I've got a website that's being hatched. 
Well, I mean, moment. you can, you know, and, and uh, again, audience that's listening, like Carolyn, I, I, I've, you know, I've used these services for free <laughs> of yours. I was like, I feel like I can just ask you something and you'll, you'll give me some kind of feedback. And even if it's not exactly what I need, I'll take 40% of it and be like, yeah, that's, that's great. So that's, you know, obviously it comes from your background, the finance and all the different roles. So it's kind of cool uh, that, you know, so much and you could help. So I think in terms of a resource, if you are a small business, I think Carolyn, like you, you got, you can get people started, you know, and then they can warm up and they can come back and revise the plan and so forth. But building on that um, in terms of like making a plan and making choices and making so forth, how, you know, I'm going to call you a professional decision maker. How does one become or have the skill set needed to make decisions? Because I mean, I struggle with this sometimes in certain aspects of my life. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm very decision driven. I, I, I like to make a decision even if it means I'm making the wrong one because I just don't like stagnation. I don't like being in the same place. Go, go, go. Just pick one, pick one. Um, <laughs> but how do you like, what's your methodology or your thought process in making an important business decision? Well, I have two tools that I've taught people from almost day one. Like when you're teaching people to make financial decisions, it's really hard. Yeah. So the first thing you try to do is you try to strip out the emotional things that will skew your decision. So most of us have grown up with a thing about take out a piece of paper, write down the decision, and then on the right side, write down the benefits of making this decision, and on the left side, write down the drawbacks. Yeah. That is okay, but the better thing to do, again, it's improving. You take a pencil, a red one if possible, and you draw a line through everything that will not be a factor in three months. By doing that, you pare down the really important things in your decision. So when you look at what's left, it makes it a lot easier. Like I always use moving as an example. Should I move? You write down all the things that are drawbacks. Most of them, even if they're silly, like, oh, I need to find a new dentist. Yeah. Um, most of them are temporary. Yeah. So then you also look at that list of things you've lined out, and now you know what you need to tackle in order to get to that place that you've outlined for yourself in the decision. So that's one of my hacks I teach everyone is draw out the benefits and drawbacks, but then take out the temporary things. And it clearly defines what your decision should be. Let, let me ask you a quick follow-up. I know you have a second point, but uh -huh. I just to clarify this, do you put a weight on different things? Cause some things may be more important than others, right? So how do you kind of balance the importance of the certain things? Well, what happens is you draw a line through everything that doesn't have weight. Okay. So what's left is the important things. Oh, yeah. But then the things that have lines through it is sort of like your um, friction. The friction points you'll have to go through to get to those important things. Okay. So you were going to say that there's another part to this. So, right. So another thing that I love to say is, no decision is permanent except for death or amputation. So there is always a cost of undoing your decision. Mm -hmm. So one thing you shouldn't do is be worried about making a decision. If you make no decision, that is the decision to stay where you are. So with that framework, then what I tell people to do is think of what your decision might be. 
and do a little bit of imagination and write it on paper. What is your best case scenario? So for example, with investments, if if I sell this investment now when it's at a high, but it might go higher, my best case scenario, I book a profit, I would be happy with that. I would use it to buy a new car or whatever I had earmarked the money for. And then what I need to do is take the other side of that coin. What is the worst thing that could happen? Dang, today could be the high and tomorrow I could lose 50% of my money. What is the impact of that? I can't buy the car. I was going to use that money to pay for X. Um, my self-worth might take a hit because I thought it was an investment whiz and now I've lost half my money. So those types of things, when you got sort of the picture of the best and the worst, then the hard part is to assign a probability. And this is where the number geeky part comes in, where you say, okay, great. You know, what is the probability of the best case scenario happening? What is the probability of the worst case Usually, you'll end up with something sort of in between. And then the final, final screen is you have to say, if one of these best or worst case things happens, is it unacceptable? So, for instance, let's take my investment example. If I decide not to sell and hold on because I think the market will go up more and then the market tumbles, like let's say I was in cryptocurrency before it went down by 60 percent is that livable and even if i'd said oh there's only a 20 percent chance the worst case will happen if that's not livable i have to not make the decision that would put me in an unlivable position Mm. and with money it's easy you just hedge it's like well instead of doing everything one way i'll i'll hedge i'll sell half my holdings so then i'm only half right or half wrong But again, it's trying to imagine things. And then if you get really good at it, going back to my sort of intangible thing about sitting quietly, a lot of times I know the answer and I don't know how to explain it. It's intuition. But for example, going back, back before I got married, way before (laughs) I was dating someone and everything seemed to be great. He was fun. We got along well. Um, He happened to be fabulously wealthy, which sort of made me a little bit uncomfortable. And one day I was sitting in a hotel that he happened to own. And I thought to myself, is this really going to be a long-term relationship? And I know for myself, I would have wanted that because it had everything I thought I wanted. But I sat in that hotel and I thought, no, this is not going to be part of my holdings in the future. And I just instantly knew it. And oh. it actually was part of when I started to pay more attention to my hunches. So again, it's hard to do. But if you sit very quietly, we all have intuition. Yeah. And sometimes that's the best thing to do. What does your intuition tell you? Well, there's the expression... The expression is listen to your gut, right? There's, you know, this is right. what we hear. We listen to your gut and your gut is kind of your intuition, right? The, it's right. It's what you feel from like, I, I, I'm i like pointing at my stomach and kind of coming up because it's like, I feel like you feel it 
I, I make decisions. Sometimes when I make a decision, I feel it in my stomach when it's like tight and, and uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, I don't know. This doesn't feel like the right move. But then sometimes I've made decisions and I feel light. Exactly. I feel liberated. I feel better about whatever I've done. Even if it's hard, you're like, at least it's done. And that, you know, that, right. that, you know, if you have that reaction for me, sometimes I try to ignore my intuition, not, not ignore. I try to use some logic or, or whatever to make a decision. I I'm, I'm better at it now. I'm better at intuition, but sometimes uh, I'll switch my decision quite quickly because of the reaction that I have of exactly. doing that because I'm like, no, I, I feel like, no, 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 no. This doesn't feel right. And then I switch. Exactly. Or what I do is I, if I can't get a good intuition read immediately, <clears throat> I try to imagine myself in a situation. And if it's wrong, I'll know immediately. Like, no, that is not me. Like accepting a position at a company. I had a hard time because there were a lot of really good perks and whatnot. Yeah. But then when I imagined, okay, what would the day-to-day -day look like? I just knew now that isn't me and I shouldn't go on that detour. That's funny. I had a similar situation. I've had a couple of situations where uh, I've been invited to join like a larger group and kind of combine forces and, you know, create um, mm -hmm. like a bigger payments company. Um, and each time there's always been all these like, but what if this happens? And then and, and obviously monetarily and financially, it mm -hmm. probably would have been very interesting. Um, you know, I have one right now is a very large company. Um, and, it, and it was a few years back. It was like maybe five or six years ago. And the company is quite large now and, and stuff like that. And um, I, this particular person is still a friend of mine. And he said, you know, he straight up asked me, do you have any regrets? I said, no. And he said, why? And I said, I don't want to do what you do. And he's like, what? I'm like, I like hosting a podcast. I like, you know, I'm not a creative person, but I like talking to people, interviewing people. I like talking to my clients. I like, you know, uh, you know, I like having a smaller team where we can have a nice team dinner and we can hang out and we can talk to each other and get new ideas. And I love being able to move very quickly on my ideas. Like if I have an idea, I can execute tomorrow. I like this. Let's do it. And if somebody in my team says, Hey Maria, why don't we try this? I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Let's do it. In a larger company, where there's structure and there's layers and there's people and that person and this and budgets and that, I wouldn't ever be able to do that. It would literally kill me. It would kill me because I don't, I don't like moving slowly and I have to move slowly in a big company and I can't. Oh, actually adding to that, one of the best places that I improve my creativity because people say, well, you're, you're good because you're creative. You take things from here and there and combine them was working for the largest bank in the state of Hawaii. Really? We call it bureaucratic creativity, which is that's why I'm so good in working within parameters. I had to negotiate with compliance or within certain politics and other things to get the things done that I wanted. So, again, I got more creative in a less creative environment just to get around those things that were standing in my way. Oh, so I think nice. you're sort of like that. You like to exercise creativity and you don't want to be reined in by yeah. a large bureaucracy. Well, we have something else in common. I worked for the largest uh, telecom company in Canada where for like seven-ish years. And I feel like that's, 
you know, although I would never like at this point ever do something like that again, I think it was like a really important rule or, or re- learning the rules of business. That's why, you know, a lot of times when people are younger, I hear this a lot. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to do my own thing. I have nieces and nephews that are teenagers going into their twenties and stuff. They're asking me what I should do. I said, go work for a big company. I'm like, no, but you said da, 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 you shouldn't. And I said, no, no, because you need structure. You need somebody to tell you what to do. You need to be there at nine. You got to finish at five. You got to manage and make somebody else happy. And you have to kind of learn the laws of the land before you're able to go off on your own and be able to be effective with other people and stuff like that. Uh, and I credit my experience at that telecom company with that because it was just like, I had bosses on top of bosses on top of bosses. And it was like, I don't, I just have to make sure. So like, you got to kiss the right asses. You got to, you know, uh, tell people what they, you got to pander to the, to the people that you need to pander to. Um, you know, you're, you're just, your corporate America has its, its positives for certain people. And then also people at various ages, some people need structure. Some people need, you know, uh, specific guidelines to do things. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting, like you said, you know, that people, you know, having, having kind of a roadmap to things, uh, it's, it's important, right? Like, you, you know, and, and creating, creating space, I guess that's what I should say, creating space for your mind to be able to cross things off. Like you mentioned, you know, crossing things off on your list. I think that the space is needed to be able to cross things off because sometimes your head is so busy. You don't even know what's important, what's not important, why, uh, you know, sometimes when I have a lot of anxiety or something like that, I go to acupuncture. Uh-huh. Because I need to create space and that's how I create space. So I find like having some kind of outlet, like, do you meditate? Do you like, ha- wh- what is your kind of creating space or silence uh, way, way of working, I guess? Well, I'm sort of lucky. I only have one son and he's grown. So he does a lot of his own things. So I have a lot of mental space and <laughs> um, people say it's silly. But when your mind is a little bit engaged, like if I'm driving or if I'm folding laundry or if I'm cooking dinner, that's just enough engagement to free my subconscious or my my intuitive thought. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll research something, I'll read background material. And then like for a copy job, I'm trying to say, how do I present this to give it the most impact? And when I go and cook dinner or go pull the laundry out of the dryer and start folding, sometimes that's the insight. It's like, oh, I need to impart this thing that is so important. And then everything falls after that. Hmm. But if I could go back, I think your advice to young people is spot on. I tell beginning people, my biggest strength is my ability to understand finance and business. And a lot of copywriters and marketers don't have that. So it's they're at a disadvantage because an offer owner is a business person. They have to make overhead. They have to make a profit. They have to make a living. And if you as a marketer understand that, you can automatically sort of shape things that will help them reach their goal. So you can either go to school and pay a lot of money Or you can go work for a company or go work for somebody who you admire and learn for free. In fact, you learn and they pay you to learn. Yeah. So I would say to any young person, 
take two years, go look at the industries available and go work within an industry. Because like you said, you learn things in banking that you can use in any other business. Yeah. And it's important to know how to get along with people, how to work within bureaucracies, and then know the nuts and bolts about how businesses operate. And if you're a solopreneur, you don't learn that. Sometimes you learn it the hard way when you're expanding and you're growing and you overextend yourself or you rely on the wrong people and you crash something and have to rebuild it. Yeah. So I say get paid to get experience. It's better than paying to go to college. I agree. I mean, if you can do both, you can do both. That's that's even, you know, I guess maybe it could be better in certain circumstances. In Canada, we have free education. So like everybody oh. gets educated. <laughs> so um, like I have two bachelor's degrees and it was like, whatever, I'll just get them. My parents, my parents don't have an education. They didn't even have a, an elementary school education. They like didn't have the opportunity to go to school. Um, so have my like the pride of my parents, like everything that I've accomplished so far is nothing in comparison to that university diploma that they have like in their bedroom. Wow. Like that's like their four kids. All four of us have that university diploma. It was like my mom's shining, shining moment. I think we just all did it for her. It was just literally like, all right, let's do this because, you know, it's going to make her happy and it'll give us some, you know, maybe a leg up or, or something. I think school for me uh, personally didn't really do anything in terms of like specific knowledge. Uh, I think it helped me a little bit with my network. Like I liked a couple of the friends that I made and stuff like that. I loved a little bit. Well, I loved a lot. I should say maybe too much. The lifestyle of being a student, like student campus and drinking and dancing and doing all the stupid stuff that you're not supposed to do and whatever. Um, it was just a cool experience. And it gave me a little bit, I think, the methodology of working. Like I did a bit of project management and stuff like that. So it gave me a little bit of the how to's not necessarily the knowledge, but the how to get this project done or how to start this and so forth. So well, it, I wouldn't say there are a lot of influencers that are very anti-school. I think there's like, I wouldn't go back to school right now in my age because I don't need all that stuff. But if you are in your early twenties, if you are a teenager or if, you know, you're, I would say sub 30, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe everybody has a different opinion on that it's not necessarily a bad thing to have fun and, and experience that kind of college lifestyle. Right. Well, I think it's a good training ground to teach you how to think mm -hmm. and also exactly. to teach you how to follow a program, yeah. the discipline to follow a program. Cause one of the biggest downfalls I see with younger people is they don't have the same discipline that someone like my generation, I grew up playing classical piano so I had to practice. I didn't practice as much as I should have, but I had to practice. And if I had a competition coming up, there was one I had to memorize like 150 pages of music and be able to, when a judge said, oh, go back to measure number 49 and start there. I had to know it that well. Um, I don't do music and I never made any money from music, but having the discipline to sit down and do something for hours at a time help me with business because I took that same lesson and transplanted it to business. 
Well, that's an interesting, I mean, you, you mentioned the word discipline and I do feel, uh, at least in my surroundings and so forth, that it is lacking. And I don't think it's necessarily age related because I, I, I meet people from all different facets and different ages and so forth. But I do find that discipline seems to be lacking a lot when I hire certain types of positions and so forth. Um, and I consider myself, I think like my shining, um, my number one quality when people describe Maria, it's discipline. Like I am, I like my dad is from Sparta. We are Spartans literally. So like we are army wow. people. That's how I was raised. I was raised in a, you get up at 7am and you do this and you do this and you do this and you just like just so much order and so forth. And that is, you know, I started my business 12, 13 years ago and people are like, Oh, like my friends would call me. And this was like, I was maybe like what in my early thirties, Friends would call me, hey, let's go for drinks. Let's do this. Now I got to do this thing for work. Work, you, know, you work for yourself. Like just whatever, take the day off. Like it's fine. Let's go to the beach. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I was like, no, no. And and I, I had a friend of mine who told me, man, you are literally the most disciplined person. Like you're literally by yourself in your apartment. You can do whatever you want at any time. Obviously I needed to pay my rent and little things, but other <laughs> than that. And she's like, it's Saturday and we're all going out. And you're like, nope, I got to finish this project for this, this client. And, and I find it such a rarity. And I do think that going to school and having my corporate America job and, and doing all those things did get me to this point. It got me to this point that I, I'm extremely consistent. Like I am, ex you know, consistent to a fault almost and very disciplined. And I feel the same kind of qualities from you. And, and a lot of the successful people that I speak with is just rinse and repeat. This works. Keep going, keep going, keep doing it. Even right. if it's boring, do it. It works. Right. Well, I think a lot of times the discipline is something that you practice just like everything else. Yeah. You know, I tell myself if I only do 15 minutes more and then 15 minutes more and 15 minutes more, I think we waste a lot of time trying to get around or avoid unpleasant things. Like I see it in my own son. He will spend like 300 units of energy trying to avoid something that only takes 100 units to do. Oh, interesting. And if we know ourselves, and again, sometimes I have to scold myself. And sometimes people might think I'm crazy, but I scold myself out loud. Um, it's just saying there is gravity and there are things you can't get around. So the sooner you get started, the sooner you'll get through. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I the, a friend of mine told me an expression. I mean, I mean, this is a little riddle for you. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. There you go. Right. <laughs> so like, I mean, you just got to get started. Just go. Just go. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's what it is. It's like, it might seem like a monumental task, but then once you get into it, it's just like, keep going. Like for me, my monumental task is I got to clean my office. <laughs> and I've been saying, I'm like, man, I just, I have all these like documents and it just like things just pile up and different papers and different things. And then I was like, I just got into it like last week. I said, if I, if I just do 30 minutes a day. Cause I can't, like, I mean, I'm working all day and I have other things to do, but if I just do 30 minutes a day, let's see. And it's been about, I guess I've been doing this for maybe like eight or nine days at this point. 
and my office is almost clean. And every time I would look at it, I was like, oh man, there's so many things to do here. I just don't, you know, I don't have the energy. I have, I always focus obviously on client things and making money and all that. But I feel like for my mental clarity and my mental, uh, my mental health, I need to be in a very Zen type of environment. It was just stressing me looking at it. I was like, I can't look at this pile anymore. It's driving me crazy, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, I think, uh, is discipline and, and small incremental change, make it, make, make big incremental changes. Right. I mean, over time, 30 minutes a day is, is a lot. Yeah. And the other thing is it sounds counterintuitive, but don't think about it. Hmm. I mean, I wake up every day and I do things that if I thought about it, I wouldn't want to spend my time doing I mean, even something as simple as brushing my teeth. If I add up all the minutes I've spent in my life brushing my teeth, you know, who wants to put stuff in their mouth and make foam and spit it out and do that? But I don't think about it, so it takes no effort. And part of that maybe is building good habits where I tend to schedule myself and I'm very busy. So I don't think about, oh, no, I have to do this. I know that on my schedule, I have to get something done by a certain time. And if I procrastinate, I pay for it. Anyway, going back to not thinking about things. If we think before we do, it adds that extra bit of energy. And one thing that we can do is build a good habit where you don't think. And the other thing I do is I give myself permission to be flexible. And that helps a lot. So I will jump into something, give 110% while I'm doing it, but give myself permission partway in to make a change if it's not going to be something that's productive or something that I want to finish. Mm. So I know some people get stuck in these concrete ideas like, if I start, I have to finish, but that's counterproductive. Or they think so much about starting something, the idea of starting prevents them from actually just jumping in and trying it out. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's one thing, at least, you know, in my circle and I see a lot of people, Oh, I want to start this business, but I have to do all this stuff. And I'm like, just start just, you know, I mean, you have 30 minutes a day or right, start with the 30 minutes a day, do what you can in 30 minutes and, and keep going. You know, it's just getting started. And that's the hard. I find that's the hardest part. Like going back to my office cleaning, you know, thing is, is that first day was like, oh man, I'm wasting all this time. And I'm like, okay, well I did 30 minutes today. So I'll do 30 minutes tomorrow and then I'll do 30 minutes tomorrow and the day after and so forth. And then it, it just, it becomes, like you said, it becomes a habit, right? Like you just get right. used to doing certain things a certain way. And uh, I mean, I think this is, this episode is, is, is ending up to be like almost like great life advice um, <laughs> and, and any age, right? Like, I mean, these are things that sometimes I think people forget as they get older, they get set in their ways or, you know, we always have to, like, I, I call myself an eternal student. I always want to learn. I don't like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, when people say, when do you want to retire? Or maybe, oh, Maria, you know, you seem like you, you, sh- you could be able to retire or whatever. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like what, right. like if I retire, okay, let's call this retirement. Okay. Now Maria wake up and what, what is my purpose? Like, how am I, you know, to me is, is what I do and, and, and what I work on and stuff like that. I don't have a nine to five, you know, this whole week, for example, I've been working till midnight because that's just what I need to do for certain accounts to go through and for certain things to happen and so forth. So, um, you know, it's, it's, 
I don't consider like, I ha- it's funny because I feel like I have a schedule. I feel like I have like, I almost work nine to five. It's funny. I, I actually almost do that. And, and obviously being a mother, I almost have these, par- my, my son is the reason that I am now a nine to fiver <laughs> because he goes to school, he comes home and we have this like very concrete schedule, which was such a difficult thing for me in the first like year or two of his life was like, oh man, this kid's like directing my life now. Like I am, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I own my business, I travel, I go here and I go there and I have this little person that's now like, nope, you're going to wake up at this time. You're going to go to sleep at this time because that's when I go to sleep and I'm going to go to school at this time. So that's when you're going to work. So um, it's funny uh, as a, as a business owner and a lot of people who, who have regular jobs, they're like, oh, you're so lucky. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want and stuff like that. And I guess if you don't have any children, there is a certain extent of that. Although I think if you take that a little bit too far, it's probably not going to work out for you, even if you are doing gigs and stuff like that. But as a parent, um, you have that, like that you have a kid that is literally dictating your, your schedule. So you have no choice, but to have a schedule, even if you don't want it. Right. But if you don't think you have a schedule, everything is a lot easier. Yeah. Um, And parenting is probably the most humbling experience you'll have because you can't fire your child. You can't tell them, I have time for you next Thursday at 10 (laughs) a.m. My schedule is booked. I'll (laughs) see you next Tuesday. How's that? (laughs) Right. But I did find one of my few regrets in life is I wish I got into direct marketing a little earlier, like when my son was younger. Because I found out that even as someone who is 21 years old, he cannot stand open loops. And if I would have known that when he was in middle school, life would have been a lot easier. Oh, Because I struggled to motivate him. Where all I have to do now is like open a loop. And he's so intensely curious. He will jump through hoops to find out how to close that loop. Oh, nice. Well, I mean... I. I think your son's a very lucky, uh, lucky boy to to have a, a great, a great mom that's patient. And, you know, I feel like you've had this life advice for your whole life. You seem, you know, very grounded. I, I wonder, I wonder what you were like when you were younger. Were you the exact same kind of like the same characters or have you changed a lot over the years? I am the oldest child in a Japanese family, which by the role means I've had to be the leader or the the okay. advisor. So with my younger siblings, like I grew up, I never smoked pot ever. Okay. And part of it was I had this pressure from my parents, do not do something you don't want to see your sister or your brother doing because you are the example. And with my son, um, sometimes it's a struggle because I hear him tell other people things that he refuses to do himself. Okay. Like at age four, he was telling his friends, if you speak to your mom like that, she probably won't let you do what you want. So yes, I've always given people advice if they choose to listen. And I would say on the whole, even though it's bragging, I think I give pretty good advice. You do. Because I like to take into account the personality of the person and their parameters before I'll say, by the way, I have a suggestion. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, I think I think during uh, this episode, everybody can hear that you give some good advice. So we are going to put some links down below on how uh, you can get some advice from Carolyn. So Carolyn, I want to ask you one last question um, because you've given us so much great advice. But I'm going to ask you this and you know, it's a very direct question. What is one thing that a business owner can do to make his life better today? The one thing the business owner can do is hold more cash if you can. I would say right now we're getting ready to go into a pretty rocky economic place. Mm -hmm. And if you have cash or if you cut your expenses, you'll have more flexibility. So right now at the end of 2022, I would say be more cautious and look for opportunity because when things start falling apart, prices fall and you'll be able to do things for less than you would now. And you need to keep your business alive in order to have it thrive in the future. Awesome. Well, Carolyn, you were very gracious with your time. This was really, uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of tactical information that everybody listening can use. Thank you so much. Again, audience, please remember to subscribe, like this episode and check out Carolyn's information down below. Thanks, Great. Carolyn. Thank you so much, Maria. See you later. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.